Boo! Scared you, didn't I, Ryan? Ryan's in the mining journal with me. It is Friday the 13th, full moon. It's going to be stormy out. It's kind of scary out there. It, it, I'm Tanner Hoops, by the way. Yeah, it, uh, a little Friday the 13th. I heard it's going to be a full moon tonight, too. Mm-hmm. So uh, my wife's working tonight at the hospital, so it's going to ah. be kind of a rough evening for her. Sounds that, like a scary movie setting. Nurse, nurses dread a full moon because that's when the crazies come out. So uh, <laughs> it'll be an interesting evening for her. Hopefully not, though. Tanner Hoops, Ryan Steig with you in the sports pen. Glad that you're along this Friday afternoon. A lot to dig into today, including week three, the high school football season. We had Northern Michigan soccer yesterday, had the women today. We had news out of Detroit regarding the Detroit Red Wings and their captain situation. (laughs) Plus, we've got football, lots of football to talk about, including how all of us, our collective friends of the show group, Swung and missed at last night's Thursday game in our Pick'em series. All of us were unanimous on Carolina, and we all just whiffed as Tampa Bay gets the victory 20-14. to That's about the score that you'd expect in that kind of a game. I mean, it's just... <laughs> I doubted Tampa Bay because they're Tampa Bay. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's like they've been a team that... I mean, when was the last time Tampa Bay was legitimately good? Was it like... 07, I think, yeah. was the last time they made the playoffs. I don't know if they were that good that year. So 12 years ago. You got to playoffs. <laughs> yeah, I would think that uh, that was a, a worthwhile pick for everybody, is that they would lose that game. So uh, it was a shocker to me, but uh, Carolina just flopping. Yeah. <clears throat> They're not off to a great start this no. year. No, Carolina, and Cam Newton doesn't look healthy. I mean, he struggled last night, to say the least. He's never been a good passing quarterback, but that doesn't mean he's not a good quarterback because he runs the football well. He's got good enough size. He's always had guys like Olsen. A couple of years ago, he got McCaffrey. He has guys he can dink and dunk off to, and, you know, Tom Brady doesn't chuck the ball down the field. He's made a living. He's become one of the greatest quarterbacks ever, arguably the greatest ever, for dinking and dunking for 90% of the time. Cam Newton can get away with that if he has another element of his game. And right now he doesn't. He's not healthy enough to be out there in the football field right now. Uh, no, he uh, just looks off his game. And the thing is with Brady is that he Brady throws a lot of slant routes. Mm-hmm. He throws you know, little dump, hand, dump passes in the backfield that right. he gets for good yards. And their O-line helps him out a lot. So Tom's not a chuck it deep kind of a guy. I mean, maybe back in his early days, right. you know, when he had the arm, <laughs> but not, you know, these days it's like he can't chuck it 50, 60 yards a no. field. It's uh, more of a let's see if I can hit 40 if I'm lucky kind of a thing. So, uh, but I'm just, I was really surprised last night. And the thing is, is that because it was on NFL Network, I didn't get to see it because I don't get it. So <laughs> I was basically watching highlights and it, it didn't go very well. Well, I tell you what, Cam Newton, again, he's going to have to retool his game because right now he's on pace to be what Andrew Luck just was, and that is an early retiree, a Hall of Fame career potentially cut short. You think if, you think he's done enough right now that you could consider him a Hall of Famer? No. He's on pace to be if he continued playing at the way he was in his 20s, but I think his best days of football are behind him after what I saw, and I think he's got the talent there, if healthy, that he potentially could be a Canton candidate. Mm. But right now, he looks like he's going to be retiring here in the next few years. And you know, he's not taking himself out of a game. No, he's not that kind of guy. No. And a lot of NFL players are like that. You know, unless like my unless my leg has completely fallen off or, you know, like I've lost my hand or something. It, he's not. I think if he had won that Super Bowl he was in, 
I think mm-hmm. he might have a stronger case right. because that that throws so heavily into your favor. You may not even have the stats to deserve to be in the Hall of Fame, but they're like, well, he won a Super Bowl. <laughs> <laughs> Clearly, he's good enough. But uh, I mean, that was the Joe Namath thing, wasn't right, it? Exactly. If he you had look a at career losing record, yeah, and the stats aren't compared to some of the guys these days are pretty subpar. But mm-hmm. he won a Super Bowl, so that's what gets you over the top. One ring and one middle finger. Yes. Famous legacy. Yeah. Enough for a Hall of Fame legacy. That, that, that's all it takes at this point. <laughs> it just he's, I mean, I think if he plays a couple more years and can play at the level that he's capable of, maybe he still has a shot. But it's just he's he's wearing down. He's not, he doesn't have the arm. That, I mean, he's not a deep-throwing guy anyway, but, mm-hmm. like, it's it doesn't have them enough zip on the ball anymore, and it's just he's wearing down. You're, I mean, he's... There's a certain point where, you know, football players start to shift towards the back end of their career, and he's at the point where he's shifting into the back end of his career, which is unfortunate, but it's just how it is. sad, I know. He's a generational talent, and I think I can say that safely because while he's never had a generational arm, he's always been a generational runner, and right now he's not able to do that. Like last night, fourth and half a yard with the game on the line. I mean, he's taken that up the middle every time, if healthy. But the fact that he didn't and they had to do a gadget play that gained absolutely nothing tells me he's not healthy enough to be on the football field right now. But the thing is, he'll never take himself out of a game uh, because he just saw what happened with Andrew Luck. And I would say he's more competitive than Andrew Luck. May not be better overall, but I think he's more competitive. And he will never let people say the things that they're saying about Andrew Luck, where he just quits on a team. And Ron Rivera is certainly not going to take Cam Newton out of the lineup because you think about it this way. I did my segment last week on the five hottest NFL coaching seats, and Ron Rivera was in the top five. There was speculation he might not come back this year. He did. I think he needs to get at least to the playoffs to keep his job. And they're probably not going to. An 0-2 start to the year. By the way, this... Could be stat of the day, co-stat of the day, because I got something else later. The Panthers are now the 17th team all-time to start the year 0-2 when playing their first two games at home. Only one has ever made the playoffs, and that was the 2003 Eagles. So I don't know if Carolina's going <laughs> to do it. History says no, but Ron Rivera's job is on the line, and Cam Newton at 50% still gives you a better shot at winning than 100% of Will Greer or whoever else they have in the backup quarterback position right now. Will Greer. Mm-hmm. There's a name. <laughs> but on uh, when you look at Cam, Cam's always had the stigma attached to him that of lack of effort mm-hmm. and that he's, he's a complainer, he whines a lot, he's just kind of like, a, he's got a terrible attitude, that kind of a thing. Whereas... Luck, as you see of all these clips, he's kind of like a fun-loving guy on the field. Exactly. Like he'll, you know, like there, how many times he got sacked, and he was like congratulating <laughs> the guy for like sacking him. I mean, he's just kind of had this laid-back way of Gobot. That doesn't necessarily mean Luck wasn't a fierce competitor. Right. He was in there to win every single time. But Cam. Remember the Super Bowl where he was in there and he didn't dive to get that ball and yep. then he sulked in the post game and you know like didn't he leave early in the post game mm-hmm. or something? It's just. He has that image attached to him, and he's trying to dispel that image and not be like that. Whereas Luck is well known for being like a fun personality, and people genuinely like him. And hell, he even had a Twitter, <laughs> hilarious Twitter account <laughs> based on him. You know, I mean, he's people. People genuinely liked him, whereas I don't know if people genuinely like Cam Newton. So he's trying to maybe lingering on 
because he tr- he's trying to make himself into a Hall of Fame career. Whereas Luck was like, you know what? I've gotten everything I've gotten out of this. Mm-hmm. I'm a rich guy. I... I have a Stanford degree. I have a Stanford degree. I like to travel the world. I could make it as an architect. And he just got married. <laughs> yeah, and it's like he's, you know, he he realized as much as he loved football that he didn't. The passion wasn't there. He wasn't mm-hmm. willing to risk for one more year, even though the Colts were primed for a Super Bowl potential season. He wasn't willing to risk all that. Whereas Cam's kind of like, okay. I, I look poorly in the light of a lot of people. I need to keep playing just so I can get that Super Bowl and get into the Hall of Fame. Like, public image was not a problem for Andrew Luck before his retirement, and for some people, it is now. Yeah. For Cam Newton, a lot of people don't see him in a favorable light. Some people do. I do. But a lot of people don't. And even more people won't if he decides to retire for the sake of his health. That's why he won't take himself out of the lineup. And Ron Rivera is coaching for his job. He doesn't care if Cam Newton retires after this year because he won't be coaching him anyway next year. He'll be fired next year if he doesn't win. So Ron Rivera is not going to take Cam Newton out of the lineup to save his health for a different coach. He is going to run him into the ground to try and save his coaching job, maybe his career. Basically, yeah. I mean, he doesn't care. <laughs> He's got, unless they make the playoffs, like you said, Ron is not going to be back next no. year, um, which is... An interesting turn as the guy took him to the Super Bowl three mm-hmm. years ago, and now he's <laughs> his job is like hanging by a thread right now unless they make the playoffs. It's weird how the NFL works that way mm-hmm. because it's very much a what have you done for me lately. Like, you know, throw it to baseball. I mean, I sure. know it's a different thing, but Dave Dombrowski just won a World <laughs> Series, and now he's out of a job. I mean, it's just that's just how pro sports is. They're like, yeah, you want us a World Series, but, I mean, come on now. I mean, that cost him his job. Because he raised expectations by being the architect of that World Series team. 11 months later, he's fired. Yeah. So, I mean, like, whereas the NFL, it's like, okay, now you have to win a Super Bowl the next year. Otherwise, you know, you're not good enough. And it's just, it's such a cutthroat business. And you have to be prepared to that for that if you're going to be a coach or if you're going to be a GM in the pros that in the span of a year, like, even if you think you've done a good job, the powers that be don't. And even though the stats say you did fine, their expectations are far different than yours are. And uh, you've seen Moneyball, right? Oh, sure. It's just interesting how, like, what his bar is compared to what the owner's <laughs> bar is. And it's just, like, how he's had to justify this situation. It's just... It's just weird how the pros are compared to college. You know, it's weird that the Panthers seem to have their own standard regarding coaches, even coaches who've been successful for them in the past few years. They're not an old franchise. I think they're in their 24th year because I think they came in in 95, and they've had four coaches during that time. So they've been fairly consistent. They've been to two Super Bowls. John Fox was a really good coach with Carolina. Like, that was his heyday. And no. I think so. No, I mean, that was his heyday. I was agreeing with you there. And then, okay. like, he moved to Denver. Right. And, and that's what I mean, is it took one bad year for Carolina in their front office to forget everything that John Fox had done for them. Now, did that turn out to be the right move? Yeah, because John Fox's <laughs> career started going downhill after that. So it did work out. But my point is, if things go south as quick as one year, 
then you're looking for a new coach. It's made for Carolina is one team that's starting to set that precedent. And I think there are a few others in the NFL that could be following suit. Because, you know, honestly, how much of this is Ron Rivera's fault? Because you're not putting up much around a quarterback other than Greg Olson, Christian McCaffrey, who's probably now their best player. I don't think Cam Newton's their best player anymore. Mm-hmm. It's probably McCaffrey. But And I know that he's got his struggles throwing the football, but you don't exactly give him a lot of weapons. Cam's best wide receiver since he's come into the NFL has been Kelvin Benjamin, Devin Funches. Wow. Yeah. I mean, you're not exactly building up around him if you're the owner, the general manager. So how much of this is Ron Rivera's fault? And who are you going to get that would be better? Maybe a high-priced uh, college talent. I mean, it's yeah. just... Or you can do the constant pro thing well this guy's coached forever yeah he got fired from his last three jobs but i'm sure it'll be different this time wade phillips Phillips, come on man daniel yeah i mean ugh, i I hate that people know i hate that part of pro sports (laughs) but um i would think they'd go that route or they try to find a good guy on the rise in the college ranks lincoln riley could be him um saban will never go to the pros no never again no um Dabble Sweeney, you think maybe? I don't think he'll leave Clemson. I maybe Carolina, maybe Carolina, because it's like nearby. Okay, I mean, maybe, maybe that could be the one exception. Yeah, I could see him maybe doing that, but like, uh, Urban. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. It's like that's you'd have to really reach. You'd have to get a guy who's been really, really good for quite a while to how get about, in the pros. How about Jim Harbaugh if he's not with Michigan next year? I think well, he did better in the NFL than he is in college. Will Jim Harbaugh be gone at the end of the year? I had this talk with Stugatz on Tuesday, and if he doesn't beat Ohio State this year, then he probably should be gone. But either way, I think he will come back. The school president, the AD, they love him. He's a Michigan guy through and through, and they love him And they've him thrown there. a ton of money at him. Mm-hmm. So they have to buy out his contract, which, I mean, Michigan's got a ton of cash, so they could. They could. But it's just like, <clears throat> you got that hassle, you got to buy him out, and then you got to throw more money at another guy. And uh, <clears throat> I think if he loses to Ohio State, <clears throat> it won't be, I guess, the final nail in this coffin. But I would say, like, it's like, <clears throat> if there's, like, 30 nails... He's got, like, 29. <laughs> and, like, if he loses to Ohio State, it's like the the 30th nail is, like, halfway in, but it's not completely hammered in. And then, like, if it happens again the following year, I think he's gone. But the standards are so high for him this year. Mm-hmm. I mean, I picked him to make the playoff this year. I picked him to make the Big Ten. It's not just me. Pretty much a lot of sports writers picked him to win the Big Ten this year and potentially get that playoff bid. And, uh... They've looked less than sharp this year. Yeah, yeah. it was an uninspiring win against Army. <laughs> Even mid-Tennessee, they didn't exactly overwhelm in yeah. that game. Yeah, they've got they've got some work to do, but I, I still yeah, believe yeah. that they are far from a finished product. No. I, 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 you know, Notre Dame has to go there this year. I'm worried about that game. Notre Dame might lose that game mm-hmm. because Michigan's a tough place to play, and they are a good football team. They're better than what they've shown here in the first couple of weeks. So I'm not counting them out yet. That being said... The jury's still out on whether I think they can beat Ohio State because they haven't totally overwhelmed me either. I don't think they're going to be a playoff team, though. Mm -hmm. I don't think Michigan's going to be with a Final Four when it's all said and done. Right now, I've got Bama, Clemson, Georgia, and Oklahoma being in the playoff this year. Those are going to be my Final Four. Mm -hmm. 
I can see it. Uh, the only reason I'm still hanging on hope on Michigan. Mm-hmm. I think if uh, they can run the table the rest of the way and beat Ohio State, that they still. I mean, Ohio State's like the big determining factor. If you go 13 and 0 and win the Big Ten, then you're in. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, then you're in. Then somebody's yeah. got to get bumped. Yeah, but uh, it's. I was, and isn't it interesting that Michigan's on a bye in week three? It is. <laughs> Like, usually teams on a buy are, like, week five, week six, and then there's, like, maybe a late buy, like, tenth, or, you know, like, right before the championship game or something. Do they have a second buy this year? Because I think once every seven years, teams get a double buy season. Notre Dame has one of those this year because they took a buy last week because they played on a Monday and had a short week. But they could do that because they have two buys this year, and I think that's on a rotation every seven years. Okay. This might be Michigan's year for it. I have to double-check that. Yeah. I mean, I guess, but it's just, it's weird, mm. you know? It's, okay, you played two teams you should have, like, blown out the doors on, but it's just like, now you're going in on a low note, you barely survived against Army, you had to have a shanked field goal at the buzzer to keep that from happening. It just, I, I, I want to still say positive, mm. but... Then I text you last week is Shea, is Shea Patterson the Joe Flacco of college football. <laughs> Flacco's won something though. Yeah, I mean like well there was this this stretch for the longest time where like is Joe Flacco elite? And then mm. we found out he's not. No. Well, and then there was so much hype about Shea Patterson, maybe a dark horse Heisman candidate. And then He's not looked very good the first two weeks. I've never bought into hype. I'm not saying he's a bad quarterback, but he's certainly not lived up to the expectations he was brought in to fulfill at Michigan. Do you think he's got one more start? And then, or they pull in? Or they pull him? Oh, and he'll in start the back- throughout the year. You think? I don't think his job is in any jeopardy. Okay. I do think McCaffrey is a really good quarterback, and I think Michigan fans are going to like him when it comes his time, but Patterson is the better quarterback. And again, he's not a bad quarterback. He just hasn't lived up to the hype that was put on him when he came to Michigan. I'm talking like if he has a bad game like in his next, like throws like three picks and just looks rattled out there. I don't think so. I think Harbaugh loves this kid and he's going to stick with him. He's he's Harbaugh's guy, and I think Harbaugh is going to sink or swim with him. How about... uh... Harbaugh Cullen plays. He said he was going to not do that, but it seems like he's having a little more influence than he said he was going to. Yeah, you just brought in <laughs> Gaddis from Alabama, let him do his job. Yeah, and that's just because I'd look at some of the play calls and I'm like, did Jim say that? Because <laughs> it's like, that doesn't sound like something Josh Gaddis would choose for that kind of setup. But, uh, oh well, Michigan's on a bye. They can rest up, I guess two weeks in, <laughs> you know, off whatever rest you need, but uh, now they can regroup, and then State plays <laughs> this week, and they got an interesting matchup. Yeah, how about that one? I, looking back, I, I feel like throttling Western mm-hmm. was maybe the confidence that they need, Yeah. Um, because there was so much doubt after that first game, and then going in, it's like, well, are they going to get you know, is Western going to put up a fight? I actually thought that Westwood, Westwood, Western might have had a good start. You know, they could give the Spartans a good fight. Might could have gone down to the second half, but Michigan State was in control the first time for the, you know pretty much the entire game, and with wearing neon green pants too. <laughs> <laughs> Looked flashy on the scoreboard and on the field. So really good defense at Michigan State this year. The problem is their offense is atrocious. Brian Lewerke ain't it. I mean, he's just not it. And I tell you what, I've got them on upset alert this weekend against the Fighting Herms. 
The Fighting Herms. <laughs> well, people, for, for some reason, it's been forgotten that Michigan State was supposed to beat Arizona State last year yeah. and Tempe. And the Herms just surprised them mm-hmm. and surprised me as well because I'm keeping track of the game. I'm like, how are they losing this game? It's Herm Edwards. Herm <laughs> Edwards' first year. <laughs> A guy who's, I mean, has, has Herm ever coached in college? I don't know if he did. I'm not sure that he did. Yeah. So this is his first time coaching in D1, and Michigan State just looks off their game. Now, I also wouldn't be surprised if they got ups again, upset again, but... I think they have that in the back of their heads that that happened, and I don't think that's going to happen. I think it'll be a last-second field goal either way. Really? But I do think Arizona State has a legitimate shot. They have reason to be optimistic going into Lansing this weekend. That being said, so do the Spartans. I think uh, think it's going to be a tight one. I think it's going to come down to the fourth quarter. But I think think State prevails by seven. I think they're going to score with, like, five minutes left or something like that, and their defense is going to make a big stand, and Herm's going to throw his headset on the sideline, and that'll be the image of the game. Dan Hoops, Ryan Stieg with you. Let's take our first time out. When we come back, we have news from the ice, news from the pitch, and news from the diamond. All that more coming up next on ESPN-UP. Check out the UP's live and local sports talk show, The Sports Pen. Weekday afternoons at 4 on ESPN-UP and on the ESPN-UP app. Dan Hoops, Ryan Stieg with you. Glad you're along this Friday afternoon. Spooky Sports Pen on Friday the 13th. But we're glad to have you here anyway. Got a lot to get to over the course of the next, whatever we have left, 35 minutes or so. And then Westwood Patriot football tonight on ESPN-UP taking on Calumet. Pre-game 6.30, kickoff is set for 7. So I tell you what, a lot to uh, get to in this segment anyway. Let's go to the pitch because Northern Michigan women's soccer balling today, 3-2. They will come home on Sunday. I think they're playing Northwood Sunday. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I think that's right. And yesterday, you saw firsthand, the men were in a thriller. Uh, They end up falling 2-1 in overtime. You know what? I like soccer. I thought about going out there. If the weather was better, I would have. But it was an absolute thriller yesterday. They come out on the wrong side in an overtime decision. It was a tight game. I, uh, it was, I've only really been able to cover, I think, like two men's soccer games just because of scheduling-wise, unless it's on Sunday. We kind of can't make it out to it. It, it was a good game. Uh, they uh, Just kind of a lucky bounce that Lewis got their first goal on. Um, I've seen the replays. Uh, Alan and I, the SID, had this little... Uh, we had this fun ar- little argument on who actually scored the Lewis goal because I have photographical evidence that the guy who scored the goal was not the guy who scored the goal. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, we're having this, like, fun little argument over over uh, who actually scored for Lewis. But it was kind of a lucky bounce for them. Northern ties it up on a great, uh, capitalizing on a great opportunity. The Lewis goaltender made the save, but, like, in hockey, deflected it right to the guy, mm-hmm. and the guy was, and the Northern player was right there and kicked it wide into the open net. Northern had a lot of pressure. I thought they scored in the first overtime, and then it ruled that the ball, um, it crossed the end line, whereas it looked like it was still in play because the guy kicked it from the end line in, and the guy could have put mm-hmm. it in, but they ruled it and waved it off. And then Lewis scored on a a deflection of their own um defender blocked it and it went past the goalie and it just kind of an unfortunate way to end it but uh um if you want a good game uh the the nmu men's soccer team is a pretty high quality team uh they've been a program on the rise their first year is their first year but uh 
they've pulled a couple up since. They've made the Gleek tournament. They've uh, they're a pretty solid team. So if uh, you have nothing to do or whatever, <laughs> or you just love soccer. Go check them out. They're a pretty good team to watch. Women's soccer at home tomorrow against Northwood. Let's go to some hockey here quick because uh, we are coming up on our next break rather quickly. And yesterday, Jeff Blaschel made the announcement that the Red Wings would have nobody wear the C on their jersey this year. They're not going to go with a captain. Instead, they're just going to go with four alternate captains. Why are they doing that? Is it because Steve Eiserman's there now? Maybe and it is. St- Steve, He's Steve, the captain Steve now. is only the captain, so only he can wear the C. Look at me. I'm the captain now. <laughs> That's Eiserman uh, to the Red Wings. Day one, called Jeff Blaschel into his <laughs> office. I'm the captain now. <laughs> so uh, I told a dab to cater. <laughs> Who else is going to be where? I think Franz Nielsen is going to be one of the alternates. Larkin and one of them, too. Larkin, I think, is another one. So, But four alternates? Mm-hmm. I mean, do you need four? Most teams have, like, what, one? Maybe two at most? It uh, seems a bit much. I just don't know why he's doing it. Like, what is the reason? By the way, Luke Glendening is the other one okay. who's going to be an alternate. It's just... I'm trying to understand why, just like to create solidarity, so one guy's not standing above everybody. But that every that every team's like that, mm-hmm. so I don't know like how that's going to solve anything. And then they say like, well, we might have one as the season goes along. Well, then what's the point of that? <laughs> <laughs> we're going to have four alternates, and then maybe eventually pick one, but we're not sure. It just it just shows the Red Wings right now where they're at when mm-hmm. they don't have a guy that can actually be declared captain. I tell you what, uh, there was some news out of Pittsburgh the other day, and I wanted to get your thoughts on it. Evgeny Malkin and Phil Kessel have been rumored to have had a rocky relationship during their time in Pittsburgh. They both denied those claims, but we keep hearing them, which makes me think maybe there's something to it. And I wondered why Pittsburgh was so quick to want to get rid of Phil Kessel. Like, you know, I knew he was starting to age out and they had some needs at other positions, but he was still effective. And I thought, why are they so hasty to trade this guy? And the report came out this week that Evgeny Malkin requested that he be traded if Phil Kessel was not. Now, Malkin denied that report, but it makes sense to me, honestly. And that's kind of what I tend to believe. And then Kessel has been obviously making a splash with Arizona. He debuted their new uniforms today. He's getting along with the rest of the team, apparently. Derek Stepan said, we can have one cool cat in this pack of dogs, referring to Kessel. So Kessel's a cat, apparently. A cool cat in the pack of dogs. Yep. That's a Kyle Nystrom-esque quote. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, uh, I think... I buy that story too because you got two really high quality players are probably clashing. One wants to be, you know, more high profile, and the and the other one wants to be high profile. You know, they can't outshine Crosby, so mm-hmm. they're battling for like the, I don't want to say like number two spot, but like the one A. They're <laughs> yeah, battling to be Pippin to Michael Jordan, basically. Yeah, and they're just one guy had to leave, and I think their logic was, as a whole, Malkin's probably the better scorer. Mm-hmm. And they could probably get a little more for Phil Kessel than for Malkin. A lot of people would have to throw a lot of cash to get Malkin, and uh, I don't. I think that's a very valid story, and uh, it's unfortunate because mm-hmm. they're two very good players. But sometimes teammates just don't get along. Will that be how history remembers Crosby and Malkin as like Michael Jordan and Scottie Pippen? Like Malkin's always going to be in the shadow, but he's a Hall of Fame talent himself. I feel like they. That could be the case. Um, 
But because uh, that was the thing for a long time, like in Pittsburgh, was Lemieux and Yager. Were they going to be sure. like that tandem there? But then Yager kind of made his own thing. He, you know, he it played right on par with Lemieux. Now you could say like they're the two best players in probably Penguins history. You could throw Crosby in there too, mm-hmm. but like Yager went from being like the Pippin to Jordan to basically becoming his own guy right. and playing until what like. Forty-five. <laughs> I mean, like, it's it's insane for how long he's played. Is he still in the KHL, or is he... I'm not sure. But, I mean, having this kind of Gordie Howe-esque mm-hmm. career, it's just... So he's kind of become his own guy. I think if Malkin were to leave, you know, Pittsburgh, maybe he could emerge a little more, but right now he's probably going to be seen as the Pippin to Jordan, whereas I think if he goes somewhere else and can shine, I think he won't be remembered that way. Let's go to baseball here quick before the break. I tell you what, here's the other co-stand of the day. Ten teams in all of Major League Baseball history have hit 250 home runs or more in a single season. Three of those ten are playing this year are current versions of their current teams. The Yankees, Twins, and Dodgers have all exceeded 250 home runs. If I were to ask you, Ryan, how many of those have ever gone on to win the World Series, would zero surprise you? A little. Because that is the correct answer. No team that's hit 250 home runs in a single season has ever won the World Series, and I'm not sure that trend is going to be broken this year, to be honest with you. I don't think either... Any of those three teams has really shown that they're the team to beat mm-hmm. in uh, in their own league. I mean, the Dodgers might be in their own division, but I mean they're going to get some good fights in the, right. in the National League. And the the Yankees, as good as they are, they still got some other good teams to deal with. And the Twins are the Twins, who, as despite <laughs> being from Minnesota and being giving a trying to keep from giving a biased opinion. I'm used to Minnesota having good years and then coming into the postseason and completely falling apart. Right. So it's – and I think it's short series. You know, you're going to have pitching staffs. You're going to be throwing their best at you. Mm-hmm. You know, you could be – if you're the wild card, you could be gone in one game. Mm-hmm. And uh, so if you have one bad game where you don't hit three home runs, you know, you're done. I think it's very – Playoffs are very different than the regular season, not only just in fact, but just in principle. Of those three teams, the Dodgers are the most complete team, and I still don't think they're going to win the World Series this year. In fact, my favorite right now is Houston. Really? I think Houston's going to win their second World Series in three years, as it stands right now, but a lot is going to change. A lot can and will change here in the coming weeks. I could see Houston as probably the favorite on the AL, um, but that would be a downer. Houston, <laughs> The Dodgers losing to Houston twice in three years. Um, I do think this is the Dodgers' kind of last gasp yeah. at it. I mean, they just there's so much talent on that team, but teams are going to leave, contracts are going to be up. I mean, in baseball you have, like, a, if you're really good and you have a really good payroll, you have, like, five years mm-hmm. pretty much to win, at max to win a championship. The Cubs entered that in 2015. They're kind of, and they're like, this might be their kind of downward trend because – Things are getting expensive, right. you know, so maybe this is going to be like their last chance to really win one. I think this is the Dodgers' for the last chance to win one, even though the Cubs have already won one. It's just, this is it for L.A., and if they don't do it this year, it's not going to happen. Uh, real quick before we go to the break, NMU football is down in Texas this weekend. They're taking on UT Permian Base and a team they beat last year. What do we expect this go-around? I think it's going to be... An interesting test for Northern in the fact that 
Texas is bringing back a lot of guys, mm-hmm. whereas you know McKendry lost a ton on offense, and uh, NMU was able to exploit that pretty well. Whereas Texas has a lot of guys coming back. The question is, Texas wasn't tested in their first week. They played, they throttled some poor teams, sixty to seven. Mm-hmm. So this is going to be their first decent team that they're going to be playing against, and. Uh, if NMU surprises them out of the gates, they might be able to take it over. The defense looked really great last week. The offense showed some promise. You wonder about the heat. Um, it's not going to be too bad down there. Uh, check for kickoff, 80, yeah. 86, which is a little high, but mm-hmm. like it's not what it was in Austin last week. Where it was, wasn't it like 100 at kickoff or mm-hmm. something like that? So it's, it's going to be a little hot, but manageable. I think uh, if they get off to a good start, they're going to be okay. And they're playing in Midland, not yep. Odessa. I'm still trying to figure out why that is, but I was never given a definitive answer. Hopefully they get AC in the visitor locker room. Yeah, wasn't that a dispute? The University of Texas ran an internal investigation, and they determined today that there was, in fact, AC in the visitor's locker room. So they are in a feud with LSU right now. Over something that... Really? Yeah. <laughs> Danner Hoops, Ryan Stieg with you. Let's take a timeout when we come back. What he looks like is played on the Lebitard Show. We'll play with Ryan next on ESPN-UP. Check out the UP's live and local sports talk show, The Sports Pen. Weekday afternoons at 4 on ESPN-UP and on the ESPN-UP app. Welcome back to The Sports Pen on ESPN-UP. Danner Hoops, Ryan Stieg with you. Here's your Sports Center update. The NFL Commissioner's Office announced that they will not place Patriots wide receiver Antonio Brown on the exempt list prior to Week 2. That means Brown is eligible to make his New England debut on Sunday. Spain and Argentina both won their FIBA World Cup semifinals this morning and will advance to the championship game Sunday morning at 8 a.m. And finally, a Polish man was arrested in French Guyana after attempting to smuggle nearly 100 tarantulas in his luggage. His intended destination was Paris. All in all, he was found with 38 full-grown tarantulas, 50 baby tarantulas, and several tarantula eggs stored inside of plastic bottles. The man gave no motive for his attempted smuggling, but he is passionate about insects, according to a report. It's my wife's worst nightmare. (laughs) (laughs) Haven't we seen enough of those bad movies that have been made like Snakes on a Plane to know you don't do that? Don't bring uh, creepy crawly creatures onto a plane. No. Yeah, I. Uh, they're I've helped... not. They're not. What do, you, what do you call those? Emotional support animals. Yeah, Tarantulas no. don't count. No, they don't. Um, the legacy, I think, of spiders is going to be Harry Potter's acromantulas, <laughs> <laughs> the talking evil spiders in Harry Potter. I. Uh, I've held tarantulas. They're actually kind of cool. They're mm. fun. But uh, no, that's. Uh, a lot of spiders in one spot, and I think that would freak out a lot of people. The in-flight movie should have been arachnophobia. Have you ever seen it? Oh, yeah. It's a crazy movie. It is a crazy movie. John Goodman at his best. <laughs> I love it. John Goodman as the exterminator was perfect in that movie. Yeah. I wouldn't say the pinnacle of his career, but it's pretty close. Oh, no, that was one of my favorite roles of his, though. Yeah. That's great. Tell you what, before we get to what he looks like, happy 33rd birthday to... The Notre Dame play like a champion sign. 33 years ago today, Lou Holtz, then head coach at Notre Dame, hung the sign in the tunnel that leads to the stadium. For the first time ever, Irish players slapped the sign 33 years ago today. I thought it was there for far longer than that. I know. I think people would be surprised to know that Lou Holtz was the one who started that tradition at Notre Dame. I thought that would have been an era kind of thing or a Dan Devine. Right, right. That would have been somebody, even Frank Leahy, if you want to go that far back. 
Well, t- Dan Devine hated Rudy, so. <laughs> <laughs> now, d- the real life yeah, Dan, the real Devine Dan Devine was not happy with how he was portrayed in that movie. No, no he was not. They needed to find a villain, and they made Dan Devine <laughs> a villain. <laughs> and uh, apparently, Rudy's de- brother was also quite supportive of him, too. So he was just like, why am I being portrayed as a bad guy? <laughs> Uh, I've got one of those signs at my place. I slap it on the way out the door every day. Yeah. Yeah. We jokingly well, did like that. Well, I try to. We, uh, our uh, high school band teacher was a really a rah-rah kind of person mm-hmm. and uh, would just try to get us really amped for going to do a concert band thing. This is like a formal affair, so I don't know how you can get really all that amped for it. So a couple friends and I put a big sign on front of the doorway, and it says, play like a champion today. (laughs) (laughs) And we got people to slap the sign, and it was pretty entertaining. So there you go. I tell you what, on the Dan Levitard Show with Stu Gatz, they play What He Looks Like every Friday with Tim Kirkjian. We play it Fridays with Ryan Stieg here on the Sports Pen. I got eight pitchers here in the monitor, and let's start here. Does Pete Carroll look like the guy playing tennis on the cover of a luxury retirement community's brochure? Yeah, he looks like, uh, you know, you come here, you know, you're going to have some fun. I uh, I rejuvenated my life by coming to Shady Acres Retirement Community, or whatever you want to call it. The Shady Acres Seahawks. <laughs> yeah. He looks like that rejuvenated, in-shape elderly person. Yeah, you know, like maybe has a Mai Tai, you know, off on the side, you know, like has a nice tan on his face, that kind of a thing. Does Jack Doyle look like the stock photo of a middle school gym teacher? Yes, or an up, yeah, like a sixth, seventh grade middle middle school gym teacher, like a guy who's waiting to be called up to the pros, which is known as high school gym teaching. <laughs> he goes, I, just, I I can just make a name for myself coaching seventh grade ball. You know, I can get called up. We have all had a middle school teacher who looks like Jack Doyle, tight end for the Indianapolis Colts. Pretty much, everyone's had at least one. Does Mike Mayock look like the mayor of a small town in the Deep South who calls everyone from the North a Yankee devil? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Maybe carpetbagger gets thrown <laughs> around, copperheads, a lot of uh, crazy uh, twangy things he's got going on there. Probably a corrupt Southern Seraph, like making some shady deals on the side, you know? What was that movie like, 2001 Maniacs? And they had a movie where the it was... Robert Englund was in it like it was a terrible movie, like it was really low-rated and everything, though they had some big actors. And Robert Englund's character looks just like Mike Mayock in this picture, named, you know, in the movie, George W. Buckman. Yeah. I wonder who that was based on. Yeah. (laughs) But that, to me, screams Mike Mayock here in this picture. Does, let's see, does Garner Minshew look like he's dating three women at once and spends most of his day poolside wearing a Speedo? Yes, and in that shot he looks like... uh, (laughs) A pro wrestler, you know, like a, a, a cheap knockoff of Shawn Michaels, you know, like the like bare chested, you know, robe he's got going on here, and uh, is that the Cougars logo on the side of it? I can't tell. It's, he's got he's got no shirt and a slightly open robe that looks like it might have the Washington State Cougars logo on it. That's uh, yeah, I, I think that's what it is. He's got the gold chain going on there. Yeah, it's like he's he's a junior varsity version of Shawn Michaels. <laughs> <laughs> Kind of reminds me, have you ever seen the movie Gary the Tennis Coach? Yeah. yeah he kind of reminds me of that guy, too, although another terrible movie. Mm. A lot of bad movie references. We're referencing some show. terrible movies, yes. <laughs> Does Ron Gardenhire look like the concept art for a generic garden gnome? 
Yeah, well, he actually, I have a garden hire garden home. <laughs> he looks just like one. Yes, uh, that was a souvenir my dad got at a at a Twins game. It was the garden hire garden gnome, and it's him with, dressed at, with the gnome hat, and he's kicking. Anyway, he's dressed with his beard and the costume, and he's kicking his hat. It's, uh, <laughs> but yes, also like, like the stereotypical, like, Santa Claus guy, like a mall Santa. Then that shot—that's what looks—that's what Ron Gardner looks like. <laughs> He's like baseball's Greg Popovich, yeah, only appearance-wise, mm-hmm. not really like you know Talent. coaching managerial-wise. <laughs> Does Dan Mullen look like he lets off steam by criticizing the local Subway sandwich artist over the most insignificant details to the point where it is verbal abuse? He looked like the guy who would be a strength coach at a Subway restaurant, <laughs> you know, like. Got to get those reps in. Got to pour that mustard more efficiently. Hey, pff, what kind of cheese is that? You know, you're, you're toasting it too long, kid. He looks like the angry high school gym teacher that Jack Doyle's getting set to replace. Yes, that's kind of the vibe so. I get that, from Dan. Jack Mullen. Doyle was the fun-loving, promoted <laughs> middle school gym teacher, and he got fired for being too grumpy. Does Booger McFarlane look like the movie studio extra hired to play the role of nightclub bouncer in a rom-com starring Bradley Cooper? Ooh. Interesting Bradley Cooper thrown in there. Seems like a movie that Bradley Cooper would be in. Yeah, like American Hustle. Like he would, uh, Booger would be the bouncer number two at the club. That would be his credit or something like that. I was thinking something like if they did a spin on Failure to Launch. Something like that. Okay. Like a failure to launch, you know, because I think that kind of takes place in the South. But, you know, they have nightclubs down there, so if something ever come up, you know, Booger looked like he could pass for a bouncer at a club. But but he's a lighthearted guy, so it'd be a rom-com type of movie. And that makes me think it'd be something that Bradley Cooper would be good for. Like, you try to sneak into Booger's club, he'd probably, like, joke around with you. Sorry, man, you can't <laughs> let in. Oh, come on. If I give you ten bucks, nope, still can't do it. And uh, you'll come up with some crazy scheme to get in there. And he'd probably let you in eventually just because he was impressed with your effort. <laughs> he'd break it down for you, and then he'd tell you, hey, just go on it. Yeah, go ahead. Last one I got in here. Does Mitch Trubisky look like your wife's yoga instructor that you don't completely trust? Yeah, or a masseuse. <laughs> I don't know, but he doesn't have a trustworthy face. No, he, he looks like the guy like, uh, pay me for, you know, I'll charge you extra for something, you know, mm-hmm. that you don't, you're not aware of. Like, you'll go in for like, like a ele- athletic trainer massage or something like that, but then he'll charge you extra for like the oil he put on you or something like that, you know? Like, he looks over eager, like to the point where he's saying, hey! Trust me. Yeah. And that just makes you not want to trust him. No. Like, if, if you <laughs> scream, please trust me, that you're going to be even less trustworthy. Yeah. <laughs> what he looks like is played at the Dan Lebitard Show with Stu Gotts every Friday at 11 with Tim Kirkjian. We play it with Ryan Steig around 4.30 here on the Sports Pen each Friday. Let's take our last time out. We'll end the week with the Friday Funnies next on ESPN-UP. Check out the UP's live and local sports talk show, The Sports Pen, weekday afternoons at 4 on ESPN-UP and on the ESPN-UP app. If you missed any part of the show today, you can get caught up on demand. Get our free mobile app from the Apple iStore Store, Google Play, or look up ESPNUP.com. Dan Hoops, Ryan Stieg with you as we close out the week with the Friday Funnies. Don't forget, coming up here in about nine minutes, we'll have the second airing of our Friday football coaches show. Hear from all five coaches in Marquette County if you missed it at three. Until then, though, 
We got the Friday funnies. Ryan, what do you have this week? All right, we'll start off with Luke Longley, former Chicago Bull and Australian native Luke Longley. They were in the they were in the F, you mentioned earlier the World Cup semis yep. for basketball. They lost to Spain, <clears throat> and Luke was upset that uh, he's an assistant coach on the Australian team and was upset because Spain got all the breaks, all the bounces on their way, all the close calls when they're on their way, and he was saying. Spain, he's upset because Spain keeps getting kissed on the male genitalia <laughs> by the basketball gods. <laughs> I thought that's an interesting way of looking at it. That's one way to put it. And Or as I was thinking, can you imagine some guy saying that in an Australian accent? <laughs> I think that'd make it even funnier. I wonder if we could find that audio somewhere. <laughs> I hope, I hope like somebody has that clip somewhere because that would be entertaining. Oh, that'd be perfect. Um... Have you ever really wanted a Johnny Manziel jersey? I have two. You have two? Mm-hmm. One's in camo. How much would you pay for it, though? <sighs> Depends. Would you be willing to get arrested to get it? No. Some guy wanted a Johnny Manziel jersey so bad enough that he stole it from the museum at Kyle Field. He stole a museum jersey? Yeah. Stole um, from A&M's Hall of Champions, which is all the like memorabilia from all the great teams and all the great players. There's a mannequin in full... Football uniform of Johnny Manziel. The guy came in at 7.30 p.m., undressed the mannequin, took the whole uniform, and uh, walked out the building with it. <laughs> that whole that uniform's worth $925. Ooh. So. I thought it'd be more. I thought so, too, but, uh, yeah, apparently <laughs> just was like, you know, rather than buy this, I'll just go out and steal <laughs> it from the museum. <laughs> um, I just... I don't think I've ever wanted a jersey that bad enough to break to steal it. it. No, risk <laughs> the future. No. no, but apparently there's just that mad, mad A&M fans out there who just there's want somebody it. out there. It, it means enough to them. Yeah, it's weird, but some guy was willing to do that. Dwight Howard. Oh boy, Mr. Thanos. Yep. Uh, for people who don't know, uh, Dwight Howard is a luxury SUV. With has a deep purple paint job with a purple interior. He said he got the SUV because his favorite character is Thanos in the Marvel Universe. Mm. And in order to complete Thanos' mission, he had to get rid of all his emotions. And that's the hardest thing we all face. Thanos also murdered half the people <laughs> on the planet. <laughs> so that's an interesting way of looking at things. See your favorite character as a guy who killed, like, billions of people yeah why exactly is he he your favorite because he gets rid of his emotions when he goes into battle Mm. here's an even funnier thing there's three paintings of him of dwight howard dressed as superman (laughs) so he's dressed as superman in paintings and he has a thar he has an suv based on the theory of thanos's philosophy those are two conflicting things there. He wants to be <laughs> Superman, the hero, but he has the thoughts of Thanos, the villain. That's a weird way of looking at life. It's like DC against Marvel, too. They're not in the same universe. Not even the same universe. So he's mixing and matching there, and he's... Yeah, so I saw that, and I'm like, you're not a comic book fan. <laughs> you don't even know what you're doing, you're man. not an NBA player anymore, either. either. Just a guy who likes to pretend things, I guess. <laughs> so... The Pirates find yeah. two relievers. What a wacky season they're having, mm-hmm. you know. Um, for a locker room altercation, they find two of their players heavily, and one of their guys got injured with his hand, his throwing hand, and has required surgery, and he's out for the year. 
This has been quite a year for the Pirates. They've had brawls with teams mm-hmm. in April, June, and August. So every pretty much couple of months, they need to have a fight with the team on the field. Mm-hmm. They've also had two other suspensions over altercations within the team. Uh, the guy who got injured, as I just mentioned, also got fight, fought with his bullpen coach over favoritism over the treatment to the guy he fought with earlier. So, but the guy who got injured said at the time he fought with his coach that, you know, this could be a building experience for our team. <laughs> the Pirates have basically built their team this year on constant fighting, whether within themselves or with other teams. Which I think is the most hilarious thing to describe the Pirates, who have not had a good re- history, recent history, but, yeah. I, I know that the one that, not the one who instigated the fight, the other one was Felipe Vasquez, yes. who was an all-star this year. Mm-hmm. So Kyle Crick, the pitcher who did instigate this, his thought process is, look here, Clint Hurdle, we are going to be a team builder by me punching out our lone all-star. That's how we're going to build the chemistry on this team. And me injuring myself or I'll be out for the year <laughs> and require surgery. I'm going to end it with two inept franchises basically showing their colors. Mm. You got the Jets today, you know, with Sam Darnold having mono. I heard that Adam Gase delivered the news to him in person. Mm-hmm. Like, did he bring the nurse with him? <laughs> Is this like one of those discussions you have with a kid at a young age? Well, Sam, it's... You know, you have these urges in life. <laughs> and uh, as you get older, you know, I mean, I, I, why would you need to deliver the news to a guy in person right. that he has mono? I think he's pretty, I think he's known that he's sick. You, you can't just call him or <laughs> say, check with your doctor or something. No, I'm going to come to you and deliver the news. And why Adam Gaze? Like, he is one of the worst people, like, you could send to give me bad news. With his wide eyes and his crazy face. It's like... Eyes rolling around. Zam, I'm sorry he got mono as he horks a big pack of smelling salts. <laughs> and then the Browns, you heard about that incident at their stadium oh, where yeah. a fan dumped beer on the Titans oh, players. Yeah. Well, they banned the wrong guy from the stadium. <laughs> you heard that? Oh, yeah. <laughs> so the guy, for those who don't know, the defensive players, the Titans were celebrating an interception. Some guy from the Browns fan came over top of the players and dumped a bottle of beer on them. So they went to ban the guy, determined it was another guy, and banned him from the stadium. And this guy said he hasn't been to a Browns game in nine years. <laughs> <laughs> so the you got the Jets quarterback with Mono and their coach delivering the heartbreaking news to him in person, and you have the Browns kicking the wrong guy out of the stadium and banning him for life. Just when you think that maybe these teams' fortunes are turning it around, they go and do this. Don't forget, their star off-season acquisition insists on playing with a $189,000 yep. wristwatch. Yep. The Cleveland Browns, folks. And, and they're playing each other on and, Monday. And people, yeah, so you got two terrible franchises are going up against each other. One is missing their quarterback over a disease a lot of people caught in high school mm-hmm. or college. And you got another guy who, um, a franchise who banned the wrong guy because they can't read a video camera correctly. So, 
What a team. Both of them <laughs> got embarrassed in week one. The Browns didn't live up to the hype. They lost by 30 in their home field. The Jets owned the turnover battle, forced four turnovers before halftime, and blew a 16-point lead. So good, you got to put it on primetime. So, yeah, you should uh, make sure to tune in because if there's two bad teams, you know it's going to be an interesting showdown. <laughs> So, Tanner Hoops, Ryan Steeg with you in the sports pen. With that, we are out of time. Appreciate you being here as always, my man. What do you have coming out in your column this week? Uh, I'm writing about the military academies and their football. Mm. I thought uh, with uh, Army's showing last week against Michigan, it'd be good to look at uh, how Army and Navy and Air Force have been doing and how they've kind of turned their academies around after being down for so long. And, uh, you know. With all September 11th thing kind of thing, sure. it kind of is appropriate. So that's what I'm going to go with. Um, I'll be at Gwyn tonight. Um, that'll be in tomorrow's paper. Uh, our part-timer, Ryan Spitzer, will be out in Westwood. That'll be in the paper. And uh, I'll be at soccer on Sunday, <laughs> too. You so you get a wide variety of stuff this weekend. <laughs> Danner Hoops, Ryan Stieg with you once again. Out of time here in the sports pen. If you missed it at 3, we will start the replay of our Friday Coaches Show now. And then I'll talk at you here in a about an hour and a half now once we start the Westwood pregame. Until then, for Ryan Stieg, I'm Tanner Hoops for ESPN-UP.